Welcome to the Carry On Podcast. This is your host, Lindsay Rowland. Today, we have Tom Saleo on our show. Tom is a nationally syndicated columnist and co-author of Brothers Forever and Three Wise Men, among numerous other books like Eight Seconds of Courage and Fire in My Eyes. We wanted to get to know Tom today and find out what inspires him to tell our military's most heroic stories. Thank you, Tom, for being here today. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. I appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you uh, worked at CNN for a while, but if you could start out with a little bit about your background, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Sure. I studied uh, journalism at Rutgers University and then went into the TV business, started out at some small local affiliates, and then eventually ended up, as you said, at CNN, where I was a copy editor down at CNN.com's live streaming video service. At the time, I spent almost five years there and just felt like uh, something was missing. I I felt even as the war in Afghanistan was really at its peak, and of course, uh, the war in Iraq was and is still going, I didn't feel like enough of the personal stories of our heroes were being told. And so took a chance, launched a blog. Uh, Back at that time, blogs were big in 2009, 2010, and that blog evolved into a syndicated column where I would tell the stories every week of our heroes and their families, Gold Star families, as well as veterans. And uh, that really evolved into my first book, Brothers Forever, and it all went for Yeah, that was going to be my next question is because a lot of times you don't see, you don't see the authors or the co-authors being not being military. So it was interesting to me how you felt that calling and to go down the path of writing military stories. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. And I'm just so I feel so honored and privileged to have gotten to meet and work with and talk to so many of our heroes and their families. As you said, I have not served in the military. Both my grandfathers did in World War II, and my dad was a reservist during Desert Storm, but that's really as close as it gets for me in terms of firsthand military exposure. So every single day I learn from our veterans and military family members about what it's like to sacrifice on a daily basis, particularly over the past 20 years in really what's been a state of constant war for our military community. So I kind of wanted to get into the weeds a little bit. I want to talk about the three wise men that I want to wait on that a little bit though. Can we talk about how did you get involved with Brothers Forever? How did you um, end up meeting Tom? And then how did that book progress over time? Yeah, that was a really interesting journey. My the very first column I ever wrote was syndicated column for newspapers was about uh, First Lieutenant Travis Mannion, a Marine, and Lieutenant Brendan Looney, who was a Navy SEAL. And they were roommates at the Naval Academy, and, I, and they're now buried side by side at Arlington. And I just thought it was such a story that encompassed the sacrifices of this all-volunteer generation. Particularly at that time, it was a very recent story when I you know, started writing about it. I got in touch with the Mannion family. And, and then actually went to work for the Travis Mannion Foundation, which to this day helps Gold Star families and veterans. And got together with Colonel Mannion, who was also in the Marine Corps, like his son. And uh, we decided to, to write the book together. And, and it really, for especially for it being my first book project that I ever worked on, I think the book came together in a way that honored not only Travis and Brendan, but that entire generation and those that they served with. And to this day, I still see 
get messages and emails and still see comments about the book online, particularly around times like Memorial Day. And it's just really inspiring to see that the book continues to have an impact. I guess now it's been, yeah, seven years since it came. Okay. Yeah. And then I also saw you did one with Flo. I was, I can, how do you pronounce his last name? Groberg, Flo Groberg. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that because I have seen him around on social media and I know that he has a very compelling story, but I don't know much about it. Can you just um, tell us a little bit about that, working with him? And Sure, absolutely. The book was called Eight Seconds of Courage and uh, Flo Groberg is a Medal of Honor recipient. He's a U.S. Army captain at the time and on August 8, 2012, Flo was in a patrol escorting some VIPs through a pretty rough part of Afghanistan, and a suspicious individual approached them, and it turned out that he was a suicide bomber, and and even Flo realized that almost before anybody because he got right in the suicide bomber's face, and Flo pushed him far enough away from the patrol that while there were casually, sadly, It would have been so much worse had it not been for Flo's heroism. Flo's also the first immigrant to receive the Medal of Honor since the Vietnam War. So a really compelling story. Flo is a a force of nature. He's committed to honoring those who were killed that day on August 8, 2012 in Afghanistan and all fallen heroes and all veterans. He works very closely with veterans one-on-one and organizations as well, multiple organizations to get the message out there. And he's just an incredible guy and, and somebody that I think all of us can learn from given his very unique journey to you know, the most, the highest award that our military bestows. Yeah, I definitely see him out there. I definitely see him out there quite a bit on social media. Do you feel like when you take on a new book and story that you are entering someone's very personal life and sometimes it may be at their worst or at their best? And then in addition to that question, do you feel like you have an absolute responsibility to to tell the story with accuracy and as well as with passion? The answer is an emphatic yes to both questions. One of the things that I think you touched on, and I'm just so grateful for, is the fact that these men and women are willing to trust me with some of their most difficult memories, some of their most difficult moments, and also talk about their flaws as well. I think every single book project that I've worked on, there's never been that sense that I need to portray someone as a Superman. These are real people who have their own lives and their own relationships and their own stories, and they're not perfect people. However, I think they're the best that our country has to offer. And I think by telling the stories accurately, as you touched on, warts and all, I guess is what they would say. I think that it helps readers connect more with these patriots and their families about what the journey's really like, not just that one moment of battlefield glory, so to speak, but the day-to-day grind of training and being apart from your family and deploying and possibly suffering from an injury or losing a friend in combat or when you get home to suicide. So I really think that portraying these stories accurately will help them stand the test of time and inspire future generations to serve as well. Can this responsibility be at times overwhelming? Sure. But again, whenever I feel overwhelmed, I think about how these individuals felt while they were 
on a remote forward operating base in Afghanistan and hadn't seen their family for nine months and barely had a refrigerator for food. What I do is absolutely nothing compared to what these heroes do on a daily basis. So whenever I maybe get down or I get frustrated about something, it always comes back to that. And I say, how lucky am I to be sitting in an air-conditioned room in Florida helping write these incredible stories of people who've given every measure of themselves and their families as well to keep us safe. Do you get really close to them? And then like when you leave the, or you're done writing the story, you feel like a, like a little bit of loss or do you tend to become part of their family or how does that relationship work? Every family's different. I always say that every gold star family. And, and again, I've had the honor of uh, working with really hundreds now over the past decade between writing stories and columns. Uh, I now write a column for the stream at stream.org. But every family is different and every family grieves differently and everybody reaches out differently. And sometimes they don't want to reach out as much and that's completely fine. But to get back to your original question, absolutely, I feel incredibly close, particularly when you're writing a book. This is, it's one thing to write a column and I feel very close to them as well. And I take a column just as seriously as I do a book because every story is important, but When you're writing a book, you're talking about years of interactions and very deep discussions and interviews and meeting people who knew either their fallen heroes or served with them if they're a veteran. And so there's absolutely a close bond that develops and bonds that I'll carry the rest of my lives with each one. I do my best to stay in touch as regularly as possible, and I'm honored to call them friends and I'll always be there for them if they need. I'm sure it's different with each one, as you stated, but do you sit down and have a beer the first time you meet? Do you talk over email? Do you go to their hometowns? Or is each, do you have a different approach with co-authors because you want to get like the best information from them or the most detail? Like how do you, because I know there's writer's block and there's a lot of other things that come with telling someone else's story. So how do you deal with, with those issues? Sure. It's funny because all four and soon to be five of my books have come together differently. As I mentioned, my first book, Brothers Forever, the result of a column that I wrote. And then I actually went to work for that foundation, the Travis Mannion Foundation. There was a a pretty years of interactions before we, we wrote the book. My second book, Fire in My Eyes, actually came about almost on a fluke because of a family connection a real close friend of mine turned out to be a distant relative of Brad Snyder, who's a blinded U.S. Navy vet who wound up becoming a Paralympic champion. Then Eight Seconds of Courage with Flo Groberg was a Twitter thing. If I remember correctly, he saw one of my tweets, then I messaged him, he messaged me back. And then soon enough, I was on a plane to D.C. and sitting there having a beer with him and his now wife, Carson, and it all went from there. And then with Three Wise Men, that was actually a result indirectly of another column I had written with about another gold star with a gold star family member named Sonia Williams who lost her husband Jesse and it turned out she knew Tracy Wise the widow of Ben Wise one of the two Wise brothers who was killed in Afghanistan she got me in touch with Bo and we had a beer in Oklahoma City and it started from there so 
you are right. Sitting down and having a beer does have a lot to do with it. And also, I feel like because you want to tell the story, you need a lot of deep, you want to tell the story very thoroughly. And so you need sometimes like the deep details. And I don't know if those come out just naturally with someone just chatting. So a beer probably helps a little bit. And so that's a great segue. I wanted to talk about the three wise men. So I met you initially at the Army Navy Club because there was a book forum on three wise men. It was done very well. I thought the book forum was excellent. Can you just talk about, and you did a little bit already, but how you met Bo and how that relationship, how that relationship has grown over time? Sure, absolutely. And thanks again for coming to our event at the Army Navy Club. It was great to meet you and so glad we got to do this. But you mentioned Bo Wise. Bo is the only sole survivor of, so to speak, of the war in Afghanistan in the past 20 years. He lost both his brothers, Jeremy and Ben, in Afghanistan in 2009 and 2012, respectively. The relationship between Bo and I and how far everything has come since we first met back in 2018 is really just so special to me. I think we've become as close as two friends can come in three years since we, you know, started this journey together. And I'm just so grateful to Bo for trusting me to help tell the story of his two brothers. One was a Navy SEAL and then a CIA contractor. The others, Green Berets, really the best of the best. Bo himself was a Marine combat veteran. And the pain he carries with him on a daily basis is, even after getting to know him well, is not something that I could ever relate to. But we tried our best in this book to honor Jeremy and Ben and, and talk about the journey Bo has been on as both a veteran and a sole survivor, and also talk about their families and uh, what they've been through. It's all the projects I work on, I treasure, and they're all special. If someday, many years from now, if, if there's one book I could hold up and say, hey, this is what it's all about. It's Three Wise Men. And I'm just so proud of Bo that he had the courage to tell people about what he's been through and what his family has been through. And I think it's such an important story for this generation of heroes and just regular civilians like me too. I thought you complimented each other well. And I could tell just by listening to him that the story is still very raw for him and you could feel the emotions. And I actually felt as a listener, I, I felt bad, like having to put him through telling the story again. And then, but I thought you did a really good job of kind of bringing taking the light off of the situation for a second and talking about the background and you guys played off each other really well, but yeah, it was definitely still a very raw story and there's a lot of pain there. I had not finished the book prior to coming. I still need to finish it, but it is one of those books that takes a minute to get through because there is a lot of powerful emotion in it. Absolutely. And I remember the first time sitting across from Bo in Oklahoma where he lives. And I could really see it in his eyes. I could see the pain and what he's had to endure really now over the past, uh, since Jeremy died, we're talking 12 years now and 1600 combined days of deployment between the three brothers and then two tragically killed in action and Bo having to deal with that and being pulled from the battlefield, which was just as hard for him. I don't want to say just as hard, but it was very difficult for him because as he put it, I'd already lost two brothers and I felt like I lost the rest of my brothers in the Marine Corps that day when I was told I could no longer deploy. But on a positive note, you saw Bo here in in mid-2021. He has come 
an incredible distance over the past three years to be able to sit there and do interviews and talk about with such eloquence and such bravery as he has. And I'm just so proud. Definitely. I I love the part that you write about. I think it's in the beginning where he is on the ride to their funerals. And he talks about doing that ride twice. And like the one time he was sitting next to his other brother. And that's just really powerful writing there. Yeah, and if anybody uh, is interested in audiobooks, in the Three Wise Men audiobook, Bo actually narrates that pref. And I remember him telling me how hard it was for him just to narrate that part as well as the epilogue. And But I urge everyone to listen to it because uh, it's just so powerful to hear him talk about the experience of being in the limousine, going to the cemetery for his first brother's funeral, and then being in the exact same position just over two years later, it's heartbreaking to think about, but also I think really important to get his perspective. Yeah, definitely. That was, it was very powerful. I actually went back while I was listening to the book to that part and listened to that a couple different times because it's just so eloquently written and powerful, like you said. Thank you. While you guys were here, you were talking about you were going to head up a Nationals game because he was going to throw the first pitch. How'd that go? Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Uh, Bo was a little nervous in the beginning, but we were in the Uber, actually, from the hotel on the way to the game. And I texted Flo Grober, actually, because I knew he had thrown out a first pitch at both Nationals Park and Wrigley Field. And he actually texted back some words of encouragement for Bo, which was awesome. And Bo appreciated so much getting that from a Medal of Honor recipient. And then once Bo got on the field, Kyle Schwarber, the outfielder for the Washington Nationals, met him on the field, gave him some words of encouragement, but they also just talked about hunting and just regular stuff. And I think that really calmed Bo down. And he threw a a nice pitch and got a great ovation. And they also put his brother's pictures up on the scoreboard, which I know meant the world to him. So thank you to the Washington Nationals and everyone involved for what they do. Now you're a big Nationals fan, right? Yourself there? I'm from Vienna, Virginia, originally Mm. went to the first game at RFK in 2005. And that experience of seeing them win the World Series 14 years later was unforgettable. And and we actually had a welcomed a daughter about six months after the World Series, Natalie, and we call her Nat for short. So we're a big Washington Nationals family. Yeah, I can see the stadium from here. Um, I think I'm not sure if they're still on limited audience. I'm not sure or fans, they may have gone to to they just went full capacity. Okay, I'm gonna have to get over there and check out a game. And then the other thing that you talked about when you were here was that you to go you were going to go to the CIA. And I saw some pictures, but can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was the most special moment of our DC trip. It was just before Memorial Day. And Bo had never seen his brother Jeremy Starr on the CIA Memorial Wall. I'm sure your listeners know about the Memorial Wall at the CIA at Langley and what a really a hallowed place that is for not only the CIA, but for our country. There's 137 stars on that wall. Many of those stars, their names are not known to the public, but Jeremy and the six fellow CIA heroes who were killed on December 30th, 2009 are. So Bo was able to have some time at the star. It was a very emotional moment for him. And then right afterwards, we got to meet three members of the team that was actually with Jeremy in Coast Province that day, real heroes of the CIA who've done a lot of top secret work in the war on terror. Then we were given a private tour of the building and the museum, which is not open to the public, but man, some of the things we saw in there were really 
incredible straight out of a movie really and then we got to sit down with cia director bill burns in his office and director burns was so gracious to bo and to myself as well and really made bo feel welcome and understand how important that all these families are to the cia and he also extended a, an invitation for bo to come back and and bring his children and jeremy's a son and and also his nephew as well, Luke. So it was just one of those things that we'll never forget. I know for Bo, he was just overwhelmed afterwards. We actually had to do a virtual book signing event after, and I felt bad for Bo because he was just emotionally drained, but it was such a special day. And we're so grateful to everyone at the Central Intelligence Agency for hosting us and making it such a memorable day for Bo. Wow, that is really special. I'm glad that you got to share that with him. Definitely. It was once in a lifetime experience. What is next for you? What are you currently working on or do you not want to share? No, that's okay. I'm happy to share. I signed a deal with Fidelis Publishing, which is owned by Oliver North, to write a book about Major Megan McClung. Megan was a U.S. Marine. She was the highest ranking female Marine killed during the Iraq War. And she was also the first female Naval Academy graduate ever killed in combat in, I believe, since 1845. A historic story of sacrifice, one that I stumbled on, I guess it was 12 years ago now. And I got to meet her father, who was a Marine Corps veteran, Michael McClung Sr. He sadly passed away not long after we met, but I'm working with Megan's mom and her brother, Mike Jr., to tell this story and and show how Megan and other female veterans paved the way for this generation of women warriors. The book's tentatively titled Be Bold and should be out Veterans Day 2022. So very excited about it. Be Bold. Megan's mantra before she passed away was be bold, be brief, be gone. And it was actually instructions for her fellow public affairs officers for how to deal with the media. So good advice, I think, especially as a former media guy myself. But those powerful words really took on a life of their own. And they're actually now on Megan's headstone at Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we'll be looking forward for that one, to that one to come out. And then where, if someone, if our listeners wanted to buy your books, do you have a a website where they're all at or do you just, where where could we find them at? All my books are on, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, really anywhere books are sold. You could go to my author Facebook page. It's just my name, Tom, my Twitter feed as well to, uh, and it's at T Saleo. And uh, that has a link to purchase all the books. And I just really appreciate everything, everybody's support. This isn't about me, of course. This is about telling the stories of these heroes and their families and making sure that their sacrifices are always remembered. Yeah, and thank you so much today for giving us a little insight into uh, your background and what where you, your passion is derived from. So before we get off, is there anything else you wanted to add to the podcast? I just want to thank you, uh, Lindsay, for everything and for having me on. It was so great to meet you in Washington. And, and I just want to thank this generation of, of heroes. We're coming up on 20 years since of course, the 9-11 attacks and then the launch of the war in Afghanistan. And I just hope that everyone, military, civilian, all down the line to children in school, realize how much this generation of volunteer warriors has put on the line for us and still does at this moment. And they're appreciated. And we thank. All right.
right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We'll be checking out your new book when it comes out. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye.